Good evening. How's everybody tonight? Glad you're here. Welcome you on live stream and podcast. Glad you could be with us tonight. Uh, before we start, we just want to pray. Um, Pastor Morgan and Ewellyn's son-in-law, you know, Christy, her husband is going in for a procedure uh, for in the morning. So Pastor Morgan Ewellyn's with them tonight. That's why they're not here. So we want to pray for them, for him, pray for everything to go well, pray for wisdom for the doctors, pray for recovery and everything that's necessary uh, for everything to turn out to be um, not a good turnout, but a great turnout, you know, one that is perfectly um, touched by, by God, by the Spirit of God, and by his anointing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus on behalf of Clarence, Father, and we just thank you that your hand is on him, your hand of protection is on him. I thank you, Lord, for wisdom for the doctors. You said that if there's wisdom that is lacked to ask for it, so we ask for it for them, Father, so that they would do what is necessary and needful. Father, I pray for everything to go well in the operation and the surgery. Father, that the procedure, Father, should be come out perfect, that it comes out in a way that only you can make it to be well, to be whole, to be healed. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus has already bore away our sicknesses and diseases, that he's redeemed us from the curse, that it's a benefit of being in the kingdom, that you heal all of our sicknesses and diseases. So, Father, I thank you that however that healing comes, however that deliverance comes, you said according to our faith. And we know where Clarence's faith is at, and we know that his trust is in you even through all of this. So, therefore, we stand with him and in agreement. And just like you said, Jesus, to Bartimaeus, be it done to you according to your faith, like you said to the woman of the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. And I thank you, Lord, that with co-workers with you we're, and in agreement with with one another that it shall be well it shall be whole and he shall be totally healed and delivered in the name of Jesus we thank you for that Lord hallelujah 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 thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord praise God praise God hallelujah 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 well if you would open with me to Zechariah Chapter 8, we were over here last week uh, when Dr. De Dennis Burke was here. He was over here, and uh, we're continuing to go down this road. Uh, you know, normally when a guest speaker comes in, then through the coming weeks, there are things that they have said that gets interjected into the things that we talk about. Uh, because like we said, when the evangelist comes, he proclaims, but then when the teacher comes, he explains. And that's how that all works together. And, you know, when, when Dennis came, he gave us really a basket full of wool and cotton and linen and all kinds of things just in a, in a nice, great, big um, a barrel or basket, rather. And the Holy Spirit has, had me go into that basket Take the wool, take the cotton, take the linen, and turn it into a tapestry that we can look at and we can take hold of in our life. Amen? Amen. Father, we bless you and praise you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you're more than enough in all things. Father, we look to you, to your Holy Spirit, for your anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. Holy Spirit, I thank you that as we open our heart to you and we are in your presence, I thank you that you will impart revelation into our heart, that the power of hell is in no way able to stand against it or overcome it. Thank you, Lord, that we continue to grow in our life, developing in your divine nature, conforming to the image of Jesus, and more and more walking in a manner that is worthy of you and pleasing you in all respects whether it be within or whether it be without. I thank you for it and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So here in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 12, in the New Living Translation um, is where we want to look at it. He said, For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy with fruit, and the earth will produce its crops. 
the heavens will release the dew. And once more, I will cause the remnant in Judah and Israel to inherit these blessings. Amen. So just as a quick review of what we were talking about last week, these seeds that are being planted and they're being sown in us, we know that they're not manifestations. Seeds are not manifestations. Isn't that right? And just like the parable of the sower, the sower sows the, the word is a, so the seeds that are being planted in us are seeds of the word of God. They're not manifestation, but they are seeds that need to be grown. Isn't that right? Amen. In the Old Testament, we saw that words that were sown were the words of the prophets, the words of the law, the words of ceremonies, the words of rituals. And in the New Testament, we see the words of salvation, of redemption, of inheritance, the word of blessing, reverence of God, the word of grace conforming to the image of Jesus. And all of these are seeds that are being sown into us, into our soul, so that we can take hold of these things and then grow them into our life out of the soil of our heart. Amen. And we want to be the man in the parable that is the good soil. That will hear the word, understand it. Because understanding comes as we meditate on it and get revelation of it. And then that man that is the good soil will bear fruit and bring forth into their life some 30, 60, and 100 fold. So seeds are being sown. Every time you hear the word of God, seeds are being sown into you. And again, seeds are not the foundation. I mean, seeds are not the manifestation. Seeds are the foundation, okay? And everything grows out from the seed. And seeds of the word of God is vision. Seeds give you direction, you know, gives you a perception to look at. Isn't that right? And head down a path to the manifestation of those seeds. Verse 13 goes on to say here in Zechariah chapter 8, Among the nations, Judah and Israel became symbols of a cursed nation, but no longer. Now I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid. Be strong. Get on with the rebuilding of the temple. Amen. And we said last week, don't be afraid, be strong, get on with building your life. Amen. Seeds that we receive from the word of God, they develop us in righteous living because they're seeds of a righteous God, words of a righteous God. And it brings us down the path, as we saw in Isaiah 58.8 in the Amplified Bible, that righteous living brings us down a path of peace and prosperity. Well, if you go back to verse 12, he says, I'm planting seeds in you of peace and prosperity. Well, the whole deal is, how do you get there? And you got to go down that path of righteous living that brings you to that place because the seeds produce within us as we take hold of them. You have to take hold of them. You have to let them grow on the inside of you and then choose to walk in them. And every time you choose to walk in righteous living, it brings you a step further and further, further down that path of peace and prosperity. So don't be afraid. Be strong. And we need to be strong. Why? Because you need strength in the face of opposition. You know, the path to peace and prosperity isn't a tiptoe through the tulips. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be resistance. Isn't that right? But we have to what? Continue in faith despite the persecution, despite the opposition. We need the strength of the unlimited grace of God to walk above the opposition. You know, you don't have to be concerned with stopping the opposition. Just, you can just walk above it. Amen. Hallelujah. So hearing the word of God, just like Jesus tells us in Hebrews about Jesus, the things that he heard separated him from the things that he suffered. So there were things that he suffered in life, but what he heard from the father separated him from all the effects of it. So you can walk through stuff, you can walk over stuff and never feel the effects of it. Amen. Well, it all comes from where you keep your focus. You have to keep your focus on the word of God. Jesus kept his focus on the things that he heard. Remember, he heard from the father, go to the other side, went to the other side in the middle on the way there on the trip. We talked about the trip. On the trip, they run into a storm. He's not concerned with the storm. Why? Because he's not even got his focus on the storm. He said, I'm going to sleep. Wake me up when we get to the other side. 
doesn't matter what's going on out there. I know what the Father said. I know we're going to the other side, and we're going to get there. Why does the devil stop so many people? Because they're afraid. Their fear opens the door to it. Jesus didn't have fear. He said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still not have any faith? Jesus had faith. He was not in fear. Therefore, couldn't touch him. Amen. Be strong and get on with the building of your life because you are the living temple of the living God. Be strong to constantly use faith to live by. That takes a strength to do that. Be strong to live righteously. You know, you live in a devil's world and we have to, it takes strength to live righteously and not turn to the right or to the left. Why? Because if you turn to the right or to the left, you're getting off the path to the, of peace and prosperity. You want to stay on the path. Amen. First Corinthians chapter three. So that's our review, quick review. So we're moving a little further now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. As you're turning there, I want to tell you that the, the announcements are out for February. This is February we're going into, right? Okay. <laughs> Jeez. You know, so the announcements are out. Uh, they go into your email. They're on the website. They're in the foyer. You got a hard copy. It's on the TV in the foyer. It's in the overheads. Um, so many avenues to get a hold of the announcements. All you have to do is think. I have to look at the announcements. That's all you have to do. It's already been laid out for you every place you could ever look. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. According to the grace of God, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw... Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, built on what? Built on the foundation. If that work remains, he'll receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire." So we know that Jesus Christ, he is the word made flesh. He is the foundation. Isn't that right? So when we talk about the foundation, it's not the ending. It's just the beginning. It's not the finished building. It's just started. Isn't that right? In fact, you put down the foundation, you don't even see the building. You see a slab in the ground. Well, Jesus is the foundation. So we don't build our life just because, well, I know Jesus. That's not going to build your life. You've got to build off of that foundation. Well, then some people say, well, well, God will build me. No, that's not what he said. He said each man must be careful how he builds on the foundation. We, mankind, is responsible to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ in our life. So now that we're saved... We don't need to be afraid. We can be strong and we can build on the foundation of Jesus Christ and build our life. Amen. And what is all of this about? See, a lot of people, besides the fact that maybe they don't know because they've never been taught. But to build your life on a foundation of Jesus Christ is what we talked about Sunday is that we have to deal with the strain of passing over from self to Jesus Christ. That's what our life is about, passing. And that is a strain. Because you think the devil wants to give you a hard time. Your own flesh wants to give you a hard time. That old nature that's still in us wants to give us a hard time. It does not want to relinquish control. Your flesh wants to be in control. You, it doesn't care if you say, no, I want Jesus in control. He doesn't care if it's Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit. He doesn't care if all three of the deities show up. Flesh don't want to relinquish control, and it has to be made to. God can't make it. 
You have to make it because it's your free will. He will never, ever, ever violate your free will. You must make the choice regularly. That's why he says daily pick up your cross and follow me. What is the cross? It's your flesh that you're carrying around and you've got to keep that thing under control. Not just what you see, but even what's on the inside. Dealing with the strain of passing over from self to Jesus Christ and everything we do, everything we think, and walking in, thinking in, acting in his righteous way. That's work. That takes focus. How many of you think you're going to attain it by the time you leave this earth? But even though you won't, it does not excuse you from, pressing, from not pressing in. Otherwise, Jesus would have said, sit back, relax, just wait till you get here. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, get on with building your life. Amen. Now, when you look at work, what you might do, the works that you do, or you look at what other people do, I hope you look at more at what you do rather than looking at what everybody else does. But when you see the work and what's done, it is very evident, isn't it? If I build a home, evident. If I buy you lunch, it's evident. If I did something nice towards you, it's very evident. So if what is done is evident, why do we need the day to make it evident? The fire of judgment is going to hit our work and it's going to become evident. But if what we did, if it's about what we do and what you see, it's already evident. Is that right? But notice what he says, the fire is going to test the quality of each man's work. When the Lord looks at us, what does he look at? He looks at the heart. He said to Samuel, man looks at the outward, but he looks at the heart. So when he's looking at things, when he looks at the works you do, when he looks at anything you operate in, anything you function in, he's looking at your heart. He always looks at the heart. Why? Because the heart is the real you. And that's what he's looking at. Well, he sees a born-again person, <laughs> totally controlled by the flesh. Does he see the reigning king that he made you to be? Or does he see you as kidnapped royalty, held under the control of an unrenewed mind and uncontrollable flesh? What does he see? See, he's looking at your heart, but what does he see? The fires of judgment will test the work, not the person, but the work. And he's looking for the quality of the work. So what is he looking at? What has to be revealed in what you did? Your attitude. Your agenda. Your motive. You know, before I got saved, 98% of the things I did had wrong motives. There's a couple things I did with right motives. Don't crucify me altogether. <laughs> but pretty much everything I did had wrong motives. If I was going to be nice to you, it would be because I thought down the road I could use something from you. And when I come to you for a favor, you cannot refuse me. You know. <laughs> So he's not looking so much at the action. He's looking at the action of the heart. What is really going on on the inside of you? You could be nice to everybody and everything, but everything you did is wood, hay, and straw. Because of wrong attitudes, wrong motives, wrong agendas, and it all burns up. This is shaky stuff. When Jesus sat at the treasury, did he look at what people gave? What did he look at? How they gave. 
The woman gave with two mites. Everybody else gave an abundance. But he said she gave more than anybody else. Why? Because she gave with the right heart. She gave her living. They gave just to be seen of men. The, he said of the Pharisees, don't be like them standing on the street corners sounding an alarm so that they could be seen of men. Don't be like them praying on the corners to be seen of men. Don't be like them that they, uh, that they won't wash themselves so that when they fast, all the odors come out that you know that they're fasting. Don't be like them because they just want to be seen by people. Look at me, I'm fasting. Look at me, I'm praying. Look at me, look at what I did. Oh, look at what I did over here. Oh, look at all of this stuff. Add a boy, add a boy. We hope you're happy with your reward. Somebody just patted you on the back and you're done. No more reward. You just gave up an eternal reward to get an attaboy. That's what he's looking at. The heart. Hallelujah. The fire of judgment hits the quality the quality will either burn up like wood, hay, and straw, or the quality will remain like gold, silver, and precious stone. But even if everything's burned up, thank God for grace, he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. You may never see God, but at least you're saved. Because what did we find out? It's the pure in heart. And we explain pure in heart. The pure in heart will see God. So just because you're saved doesn't mean you're going to get to see God. You'll get in. And it might be with the fire smoking at your backside. <laughs> You'll be weaving all the way in. <laughs> and actually in the Greek, this is a picture of a man running through a, 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 a house on fire. And just getting out the door as the fire is right there at his backside burning on him. Yeah, it is. What's scarier is people think, oh, I can do that. And you'll be smoked before you know it. That's why we talk about getting away from the fence. Stop living around the fence. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Hallelujah. There's only one chapter there, so... No confusion. Jude 1.20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So the seeds of the word of God come so that we can develop faith. Is that right? Well, you build up that faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. So as we pray in tongues, we're building up that faith that's already on the inside of us. Because, you know, it takes faith to pray in tongues. You know, if there's anything that I have found as a Christian, if there's anything that makes absolutely no sense to my mind, it's praying in tongues. If there's anything that my mind has given me the hardest time about, it is praying in tongues. Because, you know, your mind is king of the mountain. Anybody ever play king of the mountain? You know, whether it was on a dirt mountain or snow mountain, you know, there was a king of the mountain and everybody climbed up the mountain to throw the king off so they could become king. Well, all of our life, our mind has been king of the mountain. It's been in charge. It's in control. It makes all the decisions. This is the way it's, oh, I don't understand that. That can't be right. Just get away from me. And that's the way our mind's always been. If I can absorb it, then I can receive it. But then it came to tongues. And the mind has no clue. After praying in tongues for 42 years, my mind still has no clue. So the king of the mountain has to get knocked down, which is the mind. Because I don't know if you realize this, the biggest problem of your life is your mind's in control. Not mind control, but your mind's in control. <laughs> Especially when it's unrenewed. So here comes faith coming up and having to knock off that carnal thinking and take its place as king of the mountain. That born again believer with faith 
becoming king of the mountain. And you know, I remember when I found that verse that said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So whenever anybody says to me, but I don't understand this, we're like, that's right. If you understand it, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) You're not supposed to understand it. That's why it's done by faith. Because there is absolutely no carnal control in any of it. You just have to say, okay, I'm going to do this. You think that's right? Amen. Are you with me? You know, I remember one time there was a guy that, um, uh, that we knew. And I think they were in a Winn-Dixie over at the meat section. And, and he was he's talking to, a, he was a believer, talking to another believer. And the other believer was not filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was talking to him about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, come on, let's pray in tongues right here. And the guy goes, right here in the meat section? That's not holy. Because <laughs> he thought you had to be in church or at the altar on your knees and, you know, praying. And that was the reverential way to, no, you can pray with the meat. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it takes faith to pray in tongues the prayer language that he's talking about here is not a gift of the holy spirit because we know in the gifts there is the gift of tongues interpretation and prophecy but this is not the gifts this is prayer language of speaking in the holy ghost when you got filled with the holy ghost you get the ability to speak in tongues. The day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit himself gave them utterance, which is also translated in the Greek as ability. He gave them the ability that when they got the Holy Spirit, they got the tongues. So it's kind of like, and this is mostly with men's shoes, but you go out and buy a pair of shoes, you don't have to get a separate pair of tongues. You have tongues to go with those shoes? No, they come with it. It automatically comes with it. You don't rip the tongues out of the shoe and go, I like the shoe better without the tongues. No, no, the tongues comes with the shoe. And same thing with the Holy Spirit. The tongues comes with the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, just like you have the ability to put on a shoe with a tongue, you have the ability to put on the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. Amen. So every time we do speak in tongues, every time, every single time, it's an act of faith. Why? Because you don't understand it. We just prayed just before service. Some of you were praying in the Holy Ghost. What were you praying? You have no idea. We know what we wanted to pray for, but we didn't know what to pray. And that's what the Bible says. You don't know how to pray as you ought to. We all think we're smart enough, but no. You know, unless you get a revelation from God about what to pray, then you don't know what to pray. And he says, you don't know what to pray as you ought to. And the Holy Spirit helps you in that weakness. See, the weakness is you don't know how to pray as you ought to because of the flesh. It's just the way it is. We're not all knowing. Sometimes we think we are, but we're not. Yeah, what you don't know, you don't know. You got to know that you don't know. All right, this is just going down a rabbit hole here. Let's move along. So praying in tongues does not give us faith. It does not create faith, right? It just builds the faith that you already have. So we need to be in the word so faith can come to us because faith comes by hearing the word. And then we can pray in the Holy Spirit to build up the faith that we have. And that's building our life on the foundation of the word. So go to Joshua 1.8. You all know this verse. Joshua 1.8. He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So you see, meditating is part of muttering because it said it won't depart from your mouth. He didn't say it won't depart from your thinking. So meditating on the word has to do with muttering the word to yourself. And you'll meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. So who is to keep 
the book of the Lord or the word of God, who's to keep the word from departing from their mouth? Who's to meditate on it day and night? Who's to be careful to do it? So then who's going to make your way prosperous? And who's going to give you success? You. At your part. We understand God does it, okay? But to say God can do it apart from what you're supposed to do is wrong thinking. It's wrong thinking. Your co-workers with God, the word of God was given to you so you can know what you need to do. And if you do what you need to do, God will do what he needs to do. If you will hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, then he'll see to it that all these blessings come upon you. So the more you hearken to his voice, the more the blessings come. The less you hearken to his voice, the less the blessings come. It's very simple. He's given you, told you what you need to do. You do what you do, he'll do what he does. That's the way it works. To think he'll do what he does apart from what you do is wrong thinking. Why? Because he don't have authority on the earth. You do. You're in charge. You are the man. You understand that? You're the man. You're the one in charge. <laughs> I ain't black enough to do that, you know. We always have to apologize to our grandkids. They're brought up in a white man's house and they can't move like they should. <laughs> We always say, we're sorry, Justin and Damon. We're sorry you were brought up in a white man's house. <laughs> I mean, some people, some black people, I mean, at the drop of a hat, just boom, they can start singing. They sing in tune. They can dance. Not Damon and Justin. <laughs> okay. So... You're supposed to meditate on the word. Day and night means all the time, at all seasons. Okay, you don't take a break as far as like, well, it's summertime, so. You don't take a break because you go on vacation. You're supposed to, at all the time, be meditating on the word. Now, you meditate on the word. The, what word do you meditate on? The word that you heard. Why do you meditate on the word that you heard? So that the word that you heard can become understanding or revelation. Amen. And then when it becomes understanding or revelation, then you can observe to do it. Some people think because they get a revelation, oh, I got that. No, now, now, now you have something to do so that you would observe to do it. So if you're meditating on the word at all seasons, then you're going to be getting revelation at all seasons. Therefore, you'll have something to do at all seasons. So therefore, you will be constantly living by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. This is building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, and upon his life or his word in us. His word, him, is the source. He and his word are the same. So when we say Jesus is the foundation, the word is his foundation because Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus and the word are exactly the same. So as we continue to live out from the source of Jesus, the word of God, we will become a symbol that points to God in us and it can also impact the lives of others around us. Now, you all have gone shopping and you've gone to different places and different locations and many of the places you've gone has restroom signs, don't they? Now, when you walk in the store, the, the sign don't jump out at you and scream at you and jump up and down and go, hey, 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 look at me, look at me. I'm a restroom sign. Yeah, th there's a name for people that think that happens. No, that just doesn't happen. But especially if you're not looking for a restroom. If you're trying to shop or do something and this restroom sign is like, hey, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm the restroom, I'm the restroom. Here I am, here I am. That's a little annoying. It's bad enough when people do it. We don't want restrooms doing it, restroom signs doing it. But it's a symbol that's pointing to something. Isn't that right? When will you be concerned about that symbol? 
when you're looking for a restroom. <laughs> then you're in the store and going, where's the sign? Where's the sign? Where's the sign? Is that right? Yeah. So if you're looking for it, you're searching out the symbol because the symbol is pointing to something that you need. Symbols are signs that let you know what's available. So when you're searching for it, you know where to look for it. Well, it's the same thing with you being a symbol for God. Hey, I'm a symbol. I'm a symbol. Hey, 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 I'm a symbol. I'm a symbol. No, you're a clanging sound is what you are. No, it's okay. People know that you're that symbol and you know, they know that you understand about, know some things about God and they know that you talk about God and, and when they're searching out, they'll come and find you. And if you're not around, they'll find somebody else that's a symbol. That's all that it is. You're the symbol. I'm pointing. I say what I need to say. When opportunity comes up, I'm not going to listen to them off-color jokes. I'll walk out in your face. And you're going to know. I don't have to say anything. Is that right? And they're going to come over and maybe and ask you, how come you walked away? You missed the punchline. That's the point. <laughs> and then you can tell them why. We were in a, a restaurant a couple of weeks ago. And um, the waitress came over. We were with an, another couple. And the waitress came over and said, I'll give you a few minutes to look at the menu. We said, okay. She brought our drinks. We're looking at the menus. And then she comes back again. She goes, well, have you decided? I said, yes, we have decided to follow Jesus. And she said, oh, that's a good choice. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but it was just a simple opportunity. Simple. And if she would have said something else, we would have asked her, have you made that decision? And if she said no, we would have said, well, you know, you should think about it. Symbol, pointing. Amen. Revelation chapter 3. See, because when people are searching, they have to know where to look. If you're not searching for a restroom, you don't care about the sign. It's an amazing thing. My wife and I have gone shopping in Brandon, Tampa, Sarasota, St. Petersburg, uh, all different places. Over the years, Miami, you know, just over the years, we've gone to different places. But every time we walk into a store, as soon as we walk in, I'll say to my wife, restroom's over that way if you need it. Every time we walk in, I always remember where the restrooms are at. And if you'll notice on that note, if you'll notice in most restaurants, the men's restroom is on the right. Yes, right, because men are always right. Except if you're in Outback, because they're down under. Outback, they're on the left, because they're down under. It's just an observation. Thought you might like to know that. Did you find Revelation 3? Verses 14 through 16. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, Dan has talked about this. We've talked about it many times. We've done the series on all the churches of the book of Revelation. I think it was like 24 CDs. And, um, and we've talked about Laodicea and about the hot and cold. Because I remember when I was first saved, we were taught 
that God would rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm for him, you know, and you have to be hot for him, but he'd rather you be cold for him because it's easier to warm you up if you're cold, but if you're lukewarm, he can't do anything with you. And I said, okay, but that didn't make sense to me. And it took a while, but after studying it, we found out just like what Dennis was talking about, about the hot springs in Hierapolis, which was right in the next town over. It's like from here to Port Charlotte. Right in the next city, Hierapolis, they had hot springs over there. It was about six miles away. But the people in Laodicea would not commit to go six miles to Hierapolis to go to the hot springs. They wanted the hot springs, but they only wanted it when it was convenient. So they wanted to build aqueducts and all kinds of things so that the water from Hierapolis could run down six miles to Laodicea because they didn't want to go get it. They wanted it to come to them. So then there was also the cold waters. The cold waters would come from the snow-capped mountains. And when the, water, when the snow would melt and the water would run down the mountains and it would come to Laodicea. But they would not go to the mountains to get the cold, refreshing water. They wanted to wait till the snow melted and the water came down the mountain and came then down into Laodicea. So they wanted the benefit of the streams. They wanted it to come to them. They did not want to go to the streams. They did not want to go to Hierapolis for the hot uh, waters. They would only do as necessary to go to the streams to receive what was offered. So the only thing they did, the only thing that they would do is wait until the waters got to their city. And then they would partake of it. So each stream from Hierapolis or from the mountains, by the time it got to Laodicea, it was just lukewarm water. Now, many people want what God has for them. Oh, they want the blessings. Glory to God, I want that in my life. But they only want it based on what's convenient for them. They won't commit to go to the waters. They won't commit to go to the streams. They're just going to wait and sit and wait till something comes to them because it's more convenient. It's that convenience that creates the lukewarmness. Wanting the things of God when it's convenient creates lukewarmness. Which means what you receive is neither therapeutic nor is it refreshing. It's lukewarm. There are some folks, and I knew that this was going to happen. When we started doing live stream, I knew it was going to happen. That there were some folks that just don't want to come to church. They want to watch live stream because it's more convenient. Or I'm not going to go just get me the flash drive. I'll order the flash drive and then I'll listen to it because it's more convenient. And there's nothing wrong with live stream. There's nothing wrong with flash drives when it's a necessity. I know somebody that lives out of state and they are on live stream every service. And then they sow a seed every time they're on live stream. Why? Because they're committed. And if you talk to that person, they'll talk to you about the blessings of God in his life, what God has done for him. Because he doesn't do it out of convenience. He does it because he's committed, and that's the only connection that he has. You know, it's like some people say, oh, God, oh, God, if you call me to the nations, I'll go. But you won't go cross town to go to church. So it sounds very committed, but actually you live in convenience. And that's what makes the things of God lukewarm. That's what makes the individual lukewarm. Convenience. A lukewarm person 
cannot bring the hot waters of healing, cannot bring therapeutic conditions to others, nor can they be a refreshing pouring out of cool water to others in the midst of someone else's heated battles. You know, when somebody's in a heated battle, they need a cool drink. You live in Florida, you know that. All you have to do is walk outside. You don't even have to work outside. Walk outside, you need a refreshing drink. Well, when people are in the middle of their heated battles, they may not need your heavy revy on them. They may not need your expert theology. They need a refreshing drink. But if we're lukewarm, we don't have that. Now, we could try to pump them up, but that's not refreshing. Are you with me? See, it's all about what? The heart. The heart. Okay, so God sees and you see and you know what you did in that person's, but where was the heart? Was it with the right attitude, the right agenda, the right motive? Was it hot? Was it cold? Or was it lukewarm? These are the things God looks at. Jesus would that we be therapeutic or refreshing. But if we are neither, and we're only living a life of convenience, then we cannot give to somebody else. Our life will not be a benefit to any of us. And the life of God within us will remain idle and lukewarm. We won't even. And this is why a lot of Christians over a period of time, well, never mind, we'll, we'll get into that. But God's desire is to bless us. For what reason? To be a blessing. He blesses us to be a blessing. Well, listen, he ain't giving you money so you can give money to somebody else. What good is that little stinking money without a heart? That money's nothing without a heart. Your heart's got to be connected. You've got to be giving and doing and acting and functioning out of your heart and ministering from heart to heart. Do you understand? He wants, he wants to bless us so we can be a blessing to others. But our lukewarm condition, if we have a lukewarm condition of convenience, we cannot receive from God and we can't be a symbol or a source of blessing to others. The Laodicea folks, what did Jesus say about Laodicea? You say you are rich. You say you are wealthy. You say you are in no need of anything. And that's the way it was in Laodicea. Those folks were rich. They were stinking wealthy. You know, there's a big difference between wealthy and stinking wealthy. They were stinking wealthy. They had no need of anything. And a lot of people will look at those things and go, wow, God has really blessed them. Well, that's not what Jesus said. The things they had, the riches, the wealth, and the lack of need was not a blessing from God. They were all produced through works of the flesh, which means that if at that point they stood before the Lord and the fire of judgment hit it, it all burned up because it was all done by works of the flesh. Because Jesus never said, oh, man, you're rich. Oh, you're wealthy. Oh, man, you have no need. Jesus didn't say that. He said, you say, but I say, you're wretched, miserable, naked, and poor. Ooh, what an indictment. It's an indictment. But you see, the necessity of having our heart in the right place is so important. It's not about what you do. It's the heart that matters. The woman with the might compared to the others was proof that it's not about the amount you give. It's the heart condition in what you give. That's what counts. And that's what Jesus looks at. It's all he ever looks at is the heart condition. Now, we were created, the Bible says we were created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. But we were created in Christ Jesus. So out from that place in Christ Jesus, proceeds the good works. 
It's not like you understand what I'm saying, right? It's about the heart. All about the heart. Go to Romans 12, verse 11. He says, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, and serving the Lord. Lagging, the word lagging, let me give you some Greek definitions. The word lagging means to be slow, to delay, to be tardy, slothful, or lazy. To shrink back, to hesitate to engage, to have a lack of ambition and lacking zeal. Not lagging behind in diligence. The word diligence means speed, earnest, zealousness, a readiness to expend energy and effort. Don't lag behind. Don't delay. Don't be tardy. Don't hesitate to engage in, in expending uh, energy and effort. In growing your life and developing your life on the foundation. Be fervent, hot, aglow, bubble over. This is the opposite of being lukewarm. Fervent. The special meaning of fervent is of being stirred in the spirit. Stirred in your spirit. It is being impelled by God's spirit or by developing in the energy of the Christian's life. See, God's spirit can move on you, right? God's spirit can move on you and fervency then can stir up on the inside of you. But then there's also 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5 that says, add to your faith virtue, virtue being energy. You add to your faith energy. God will supply it, but you've got to add it. So it's stirred in the spirit, not only impelled by God's spirit, but also developing in the energy of a Christian's life that comes out from faith. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit. And this is a stirring in the human spirit. This is not uh, fervent in the Holy Spirit. It's the human spirit, me, the real me. Stirring up in the human spirit, having an earnestness and a zeal to obey God to obey the word of God. It is to develop discipline, discipleship, to walk in the path of the Lord. And where does the path lead us to? Peace and prosperity. Amen. Serving the Lord. The word serving means to be in the position of a servant, to act accordingly, to be subject and to serve in subjection. And it's used of actions which are directed by others. That we should, as a servant, have our actions directed by the Holy Spirit. We're a servant of his. We serve him. We're not in charge. So our actions should be directed by him. Because we are the one that serves. Amen. You know, when we first got saved or when we started first hearing about the word of faith and we started to see, hey, the word can really produce in our life. We started taking hold of some things. We had some spiritual excitement over these things. We had a fervency, a glowing about us. Dear God, this is wonderful. This is great. I've never heard anything like this before. Isn't that right? And the symbol, there was a symbol that was pointing us to God and to God's goodness. And we started off in flight. I mean, we took off. We took off in the things of God, didn't we? We got into the Word, man. We couldn't get enough of the Word. We're praying in the Holy Ghost. We're getting the Word of God. We're telling everybody that we could run into about Jesus. And then we settled down into the run. We started running. We're not weary. We're not tired, but we're running. We're not flying like we were, but now we're running. And when we created a habit then of walking. Now, this is a normal, uh, normal process. This is the way it is in everything that a human being does, whether it's a new job, a new relationship, a new marriage, whatever it might be. You know, I know a, a fellow that was, been mar was married for like 45 years, and he loved his wife, and she died. She went to heaven on him, and then a few years later, he got remarried, and somebody said to me, I was at a minister's meeting, and somebody said to me, look at so-and-so. Don't he look like he's just glowing? Well, yeah, new. 
That doesn't mean he didn't love his wife that went to heaven. But this is new. Everything starts off this way and it's an inverted progression of a big eagle. And the inverted progression, if you look at an eagle, a little eagle will start to walk and then it'll start to run and then all of a sudden his wings will start flapping and he'll take flight. But the progression for a human being, it talks about if you wait upon the Lord, uh, you will gain new strength, gain new strength and then you will run and not get tired, and then you will walk and not get weary. So you'll start off as an eagle in flight. You start a new job. You don't need to even set the alarm. You're so excited, you went to bed dressed. You're ready to go the next day. And then after six months on the job, boom, you're hitting the snooze. Snooze it, snooze it. You know, you first get married and maybe, you know, maybe one of you is at home and the other one, you know, they're, they're out and you're looking out the window and are they here yet? Are they here yet? Their car passes by. Is that them? Oh, I can't wait till they get home. And then about a year later, it's like, oh, they're home again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's that inverted progression. You start in the flight, you get into the run, and then you get into the walk. So there's nothing wrong with that. You started off excited in God. You got into the run and settled down into a walk. The problem is when the walk turns into lukewarmness. When you start walking and taking things for granted. When you start walking and thinking, oh, I got a hold of this. I tell you what, I know this stuff. And you stop learning and you become like the old foolish king that forgot how to receive instruction. And you went from a flight to a run to a walk, and then you sat and didn't move. Lukewarm. The glow dimmed down. The glow that you had dimmed down. Your fervency was getting quenched, and your discipleship was falling away. But we can always make a decision to revisit, refresh, and refire. Revisit, refresh, and refire. Romans, oh, that was Romans 12. Romans chapter 12, yeah, Romans 12, verse 11. This is our direction to fight lukewarmness. Get this in your heart. Meditate on the word day and night. Meditate on what? I don't lag behind in diligence. I'm fervent in spirit. I serve the Lord. I don't lag behind in diligence. I'm fervent in spirit. I'm serving the Lord. I'm pulling down the stronghold of lukewarmness. I'm casting down imaginations that tells me that I can just sit back and relax and not do anything. I'm pulling those things down and taking everything, every lofty thought into captivity. And I'm bringing every thought that I have into the obedience of the word of God. That thought that said, just sit down and don't worry about it. That's not a thought from God. God says, be fervent in spirit. Don't lag behind in diligence. He says to continue to serve the Lord with a zeal and a glow. I pull down that stronghold of lukewarmness. I cast down those imaginations and lofty things against the word of God. I keep my thoughts in captive and keep them in line with what the word of God says. I stay boiling hot. I'm bubbling over. I am, I am diligent, glory to God. I'm zealous for the things of God. Amen. And start revisiting those things and they will refresh you and they'll refire you at the same time because Along with the refreshing comes the stoking of the coals that are in you. And it'll refire again. And you'll get a hot, bubbling, boiling over therapeutic spirit as well as a refreshing heart. Amen. 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 So ponder on these things. Thank you, Jesus. Meditate on these things. Put them in your thinking and get refired up. Amen. Not in the flesh. Don't get refired up in the flesh. Yeah, I'll give you a good example of this. Uh, one year, uh, when I was in this one church and I was involved in worship, and uh, Dennis Burke was there doing some meetings. And he did some meetings Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, and it was Tuesday. And myself, the worship leader, and the team were getting ready to do worship. And everything was a buzz in the church. And the pastor walks up to us and says, they're all in the flesh. Settle them down. Yes. 
because that's what the buzz was. It was all flesh. Flesh was just excited. And what he was saying is, you got to get them connected in their spirit or they'll never receive anything from God. It's not excitement in the flesh that's going to receive anything from God. It's in the spirit. It's in your spirit. Opened and ready like a sponge to receive from God. This is what it's all about. And I, you know, there were times he would say stuff and I'd just shake my head and think, what are you talking about? Well, I learned as time went on that he was right. It was one Sunday afternoon. We used to stay in church all day on Sunday. And me and the worship leader, we're just playing guitars and, and doing some stuff. And he comes walking by and he goes, y'all are just in the flesh. And he walks away. And me and the worship leader look at each other like, he knows nothing about music. <laughs> you know? When it was actually, we knew nothing about the Spirit. <laughs> uh, but we learned, you know, we thought we were so smart, and then we finally learned something. <laughs> Are you with me? So those things in the flesh, you know, doesn't help you. And there's nothing wrong with excitement in the flesh. If the excitement is in your spirit, if the excitement overflows into your soul and then out from your soul your life is excited there's nothing wrong with that but it can't just be flesh okay um the pastor had ministered to somebody and the woman was in a wheelchair my last story the woman was in a wheelchair and he ministers to her and the spirit of god is just all over the woman and she's sitting there in the wheelchair just letting the spirit of god minister to her and this woman comes up to her and starts telling about, you need to do these exercises and, and you need to work your legs and you need to do all this stuff. Well, that's not God. And the pastor walks up to me because I'm in charge of the operations of the church. So the pastor walks up to me and says, get that woman away from her. I'm thinking, why don't you do it? <laughs> <laughs> And that's all he said. He says, get that woman away from her. And he walks away. Well, I know I need to get that woman away from her. You know. And I did. Don't ask me how. I don't remember. Uh, I, I'm sure I was kind. I didn't grab her by the hair and say, come with me. <laughs> you know. No. <laughs> uh, but it's all about the, the spirit. See, it's living by the spirit, acting by the spirit, talking by the spirit living by the Spirit, because you will be judged by the Spirit. Not your life, but your works. Your works will be judged. And because you are a born-again believer, and the foundation of Jesus Christ is in your life, even if all the works get burned up, you'll still be saved running through the fire. That's the grace of God. You know? Amen. Amen. So again, meditate on these things. Get them fired up on the inside of you and let your fervency of spirit help you and direct you by the spirit of God to build up your life in the word of God and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we bless you, Father. Just lift your hands to him. We bless you, Lord. We glorify you. We magnify you, Lord God. You alone are worthy of all praise and adoration. We thank you for this wonderful life that you've given to us, that you've blessed us with, the life that is in our Lord Jesus Christ, that you've made us a new creature, that the old things are passed away and all things have become new. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I can continue to press in more and more and more to take hold of the life that you've given to me. There is so much to your life. It is just so wonderful. Oh, Lord, my life in the past 42 years today is good compared to what it was 43 years ago. Oh, but you have so much more for your grace is unlimited. And if I can see the limitations of what I have received and I have not received enough, that there is always more. And I thank you, Lord, that it is an increase in life, an increase in all that you've made me to be. Father, I thank you for it and bless you for that. And Lord, as I come before you right now with our giving, 
I thank you that we do so with the right heart attitude, Father. We do it with our heart in the right place. We don't do it grudgingly. We don't do it under compulsion. We give because we're a cheerful giver. We give because it's in our heart to give. We sow because it's our desire to sow. We purpose in our heart to be a giver. You've blessed us so that we can be a blessing. Lord, I thank you that the things that are sown, that goes out and is a blessing to others around the world, touching people's lives. And Father, I just thank you so much that we're not limited to the locale in which we live, but we are unlimited and we can reach around this globe, Father. And I thank you that we have impact on a global basis. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, you know the deal. If you need an envelope for uh, cash or a credit card, you can raise your hand if you don't have one on the seat back in front of you. Hallelujah. Thanks again for joining us on live stream and podcast. Glad you could be with us tonight. If there's anything we can pray with you about, please let us know. We always consider it an honor to stand with our partners and pray with you for your needs to be met. If you uh, would like to sow seed into the ministry, you can go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And I believe your seed being sown, just like the seed that's being sown here, will come back to you in abundance and that there will be an increase in the harvest that comes from your righteous act of giving. Amen.